host Teddy, and today I've got uh, my very own flesh and blood, uh, Charles, Dr. Charles Fry, uh, coming on to talk about the lore of Morrowind slash Oblivion, Elder Scrolls, Skyrim. Uh, we did touch on Skyrim in a previous episode, as I bring up, um, but that was more on Skyrim as a video game, and this is more of the expanded universe, if you will, of this uh, lore and the nerddom and, and obsession with um, with it outside of the games. Uh, so it's it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty wild. Um, but I also want to do a quick shout out. We have new podcast art, uh, which you can see on whichever app you're uh, listening to this on. Uh, that was done by the incredibly talented Anna Martin. Uh, you can find their Instagram page, amma.narton, A-M-M-A period N-A-R-T-I-N. Um, commissions, I believe, are open uh, currently. Depends on when you're wa- uh, watching this audio medium. And uh, check them out. They do great work. Uh, they can do D&D parties, uh, profiles, and podcast art. And uh, so you can see their work speaks for itself. Uh, so definitely go check them out. Big thanks for the uh, beautiful new Dumb Nerd Thing art. And, uh, and of course, big thanks to Charles for coming on and speaking. Uh, he's, you know, one of the reasons I am the big nerd that I am, big dumb nerd. So uh, enjoy. So, Doctor, Doctor Charles, <laughs> what is what was that behind you? Oh, um, well, for for our audio listeners, for our audio listeners, yeah, no, it's a good it's a good point. Behind me, I have a picture of the god Vivek, uh, one of the three members of Alm Sivi, the tribunal that guides shepherds perhaps oppresses the Dunmare people of Morrowind and Vardenfell. Um, He is the author of the 36 Sermons of Vivek, of course. Mm. Of course. Yeah, no, right. I I just didn't recognize him um, with the the new haircut. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's been bald since the second battle of Red Mountain. But yeah, no, I fine. saw him. I saw him back at the first battle. It was the last time we hung out. So, uh, so you're here today. <laughs> you're here today. We, I did uh, the second episode of of Don Merd thing ever was about uh, Skyrim, um, and that was quite the episode. That was more focused on the the game itself, the mm, yeah. classic video game, and but that's just a game in a series full of lore. Uh, you said that this was what you wanted to talk about. This was your. This is what you're probably the dumbest of a nerd about. The dumbest thing that you're a nerd about, or this is this the dumbest nerd you are about a thing. I think this is the dumbest nerd I am about a thing. Uh, hmm. Though it may also be the dumbest thing that I'm a nerd about, uh, because unlike say the lore of the Pathfinder universe, the lore of Galarian uh, in in Paizo's fork of D and D, which I can use to play games with my friends. The only purpose of knowing this lore is to read more about it online and become ever more estranged from my friends. <laughs> so what, 
uh, what is it? What, you know, let's start this off like every college class. What is Morrowind lore? Oh, yeah. Well, I just want to clarify, though, my focus will definitely be the Morrowind lore is, you know, some of the richest lore in the series. It's sort of the nice point. It's the third game in the series, which now has five. Um, and uh, Arena, Daggerfall, Morrowind, Oblivion, Skyrim, uh, plus the online game, and of course a couple of spin-offs, but we won't talk about Redguard or anything like that. That's a little bit, that's too deep for right, me, no. personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, so we'll, get a, we'll get a real fan in here for that. Oh yeah, thanks, great. <laughs> um, I'm not a fan, I'm just... <laughs> I just want to point out, that it's, a, it's sort of like science. I'm, I'm very knowledgeable, but I'm not a fan. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's the third game in the series. And so it's sort of at the peak of when there was like, when it was like well worked out enough that it could be like a fun and interesting uh, game and the lore is really good. But before they mm -hmm. sold out, you know, um, like the first two games are sort of like the Beatles still playing in Hamburg, you know, in Germany, like figuring out their sound. And then Morrowind is the moment at which they really come together, so to speak. Uh, and then uh, the later games like Skyrim, you know, we've started to do the sort of, we've started to disney a little bit. You know, we've started to sell out. So is Todd Howard the Paul or Ringo or is he Yoko? Uh, gosh, you know, I hate <laughs> to co-sign the hatred of Yoko Ono, who's a great artist in her own right, but in the constructed narrative of the Beatles, Todd Howard would be Yoko Ono and also, I don't know, um, like uh, Michael Eisner, uh, like <laughs> together. Uh, no, Todd Howard, a better, better example would, to pick another nerd bugaboo would be that Todd Howard is truly the Kathleen Kennedy of the, uh, uh, the Elder Scrolls series. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. now you're speaking my language. Okay, so this... Um... I mean, this is a primarily a video game series. I mean, well, is there, are, are, are there tie-ins or anything like, where is this lore coming from in these video games or out of these video games? Well, I'll, so first off, I'd like to point out that you could think of the Elder Scrolls series and its lore relationship as being, oh, it's a video game and it's lore. But I think of it more of like, you know, you could say that the Bible is just a collection of stories, but that's not really what it is. It's a window into the eye of God, right? That's the, this is the conceit of what uh, the, the holy text of the Bible is. And so it's got stories, you know, about spooky talking snakes, you know, and like people eating bread, but those are just things to draw people in, you know? Mm -hmm. it is, that is the first rung on Jacob's ladder, which ascends to heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, similarly, the, uh, the part of the Elder Scrolls that is a... a uh, video game you know that is uh that is about hitting stuff with swords and shooting fireballs that is the that is the lowest rung of the ladder on which is there for people who must step there first before they can ascend <laughs> okay I, I okay. know no I, I know no I'm, I'm picking up what you're saying I'm picking up what to, you're saying. It's hard, hard to really <laughs> recognize it's like discovering you know that you're uh like everything that you've known has been a lot you know you look mm -hmm. up one day and you realize that there's this whole big empty space up above you there's a giant empty void that you're hurtling through at seventeen thousand miles an hour or whatever um you know and it's a bit uh -huh. uh, hard to get your bearing 
so you can take the take all the time you need. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. No, uh, this is quite the abyss. Um, not only did I not know existed, but I especially didn't know that uh, my own flesh and blood was <laughs> your very own sucked in by. <laughs> Uh, fascinating to, to compare it to the, the Bible, really, really, um, going for the jugular. With yeah, that. I think it's, it's not an unfair, so, so here's the thing about, let's start, so we've, we've gotten the first rung of the ladder out of the way of like, you know, it's a video game. And of course, these nowadays, every, every story must come with a fictional universe for it to fit into, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to have lore. The, the second rung is to recognize that uh, unlike a lot of other, you know, uh, universes I could mention, like Halo has, a, like most of its lore is actually elaborated in a series of novels and comics outside of the game. If you really want the deep lore, the alternative reality games. One of the distinctions is that the, uh, the lore of the Elder Scrolls series is done entirely in game. There's a few small exceptions to that, important but small exceptions. Uh, it's all done inside the game and, importantly, in the voice of in-game characters, never from the perspective of, like, some authority that is writing, like, in the universal third person, right? Stuff is not written as, like, um, you know, and then she realized that the, uh, like, the crystals of... Mancor Cameron were in fact this thing, you know, the way that a that an mm-hmm. author can insert their authority as an objective source of truth in a narrative. Everything is written like you come across a book of history. It's written by an actual historian who is mm-hmm. like historians in real life wrong most of the time, right? You come across somebody speculating about metaphysics, they're wrong most of the time, uh, and so uh, it's all done from sort of this internal perspective, which uh, gives it all this sort of era, aura of uh, untrustworthiness. Mm. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. It's all, it's all primary sources. It's all primary sources. That's a, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Um, there's no, there's no secondary sources that are saying, oh, here's, you know, people, you, you are free. And this is now we're getting to sort of maybe the next rung on the ladder, which is like, okay, you know, it's all these untrustworthy primary sources. Let's all get together and like make them agree with each other, figure out who's right, who's mm. wrong. Right. That's what you would sort of normally do. That's sort of the fun of lore in a lot of, um, in a lot of fictional settings. Right. Let's, uh, let's sort of tease out what's right. Um, mm. But the, uh, the the issue here is that the 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 lore is not structured for there to be a correct answer to anything. Um, it is intentionally structured so that um, like every interpretation is both true and false. Mm. Much no. like the god Vivek is both Dunmer and Chimer, mm. uh, blue and yellow, on left and right. Mm. Much like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so I want to circle back around to kind of where this started, but before we get to that, I want to I want to point out something you said about it. It's intentionally designed to not um, have like an objective truth to to not like one truth to, to all that. Uh, I feel like that's often um, a, like 
something it's not something that's often discussed but is important to keep in mind in a lot of like quote unquote nerd communities or like just fictional world like communities of discussion where like oftentimes fans and people looking at this stuff will look at it for a longer time or a new lens that was never intended by the author um so like you know there's a whole there are whole like channels dedicated to like pick pulling apart the the lore of like cartoons from the 90s you know and like putting together the timeline of episodes and and all that shit and then like you go to the the writer of these episodes and they're like oh yeah i don't know i was just like i was just railing coke <laughs> in the cartoon network you know offices I, I wasn't like making a timeline um so where does where do you see that intention come out does the author's intent come into this where does that how does that play in yeah, so it's actually, it's an interesting position that the Elder Scrolls, Scrolls are because it's actually the very, you know, it is, part of it is, in, is to say that the author's intent doesn't matter because the, the import is that you like read the sources and come to your own conclusions. And the real lore is the friends we make along the way, right? <laughs> but that culture was instantiated by authorial intent. That is the like, the folks working on the lore of the Elder Scrolls series said, this is the way it is. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, there's a bit of, a, you know, from a philosophical perspective, it's actually kind of funny because the author is not dead um, in like the uh, like postmodern sense in because the author is constantly being appealed to as like you can't tell me that this is incorrect because michael kirkbride said that everything is canon who can't tell you that what is correct you feel like essentially yeah this um whatever canon you come up with is so long as you can like point to even just the tiniest bit of shred of evidence mm -hmm. it is part of this giant multifaceted crystal that is the true untrue elder scrolls lore and mm. so somebody can't come along and say your idea is dumb and bad uh because you know really it's all you know no matter how dumb and bad it is it's all part of the canon was this something stated by the author or is this just the culture like that was created out of like its popularity brewing or what? Yeah, I think um, so there's, there's probably more to this story than I know since a lot of it sort of really happened in the mid 2000s when I was still on the first rung of the ladder playing mm -hmm. Oblivion and just having a fun time reaching the top of the Dark Brotherhood and becoming the arena, you know, the Fighters Guild champion and the Archmage of the Mages Guild and the Gray Fox and the Thieves Guild. You know, I was thinking, right. this is what these games are all about at the time. Meanwhile, on various forums around the internet in the mid 2000s, this culture was um, blooming around mm. these games. Uh, so what I, there's probably part of it is that there was this, you know, early fan community around these games that was really in, into the lore. Uh, but then the the primary author on the lore for Morrowind in particular, but also a little bit the stuff before um, and uh, still some of the stuff after, uh, is a guy by the name of Michael Kirkbride, uh, who is the source of essentially everything that is interesting, really, about the Elder Scrolls lore, um, in that he made possible all this like giant arena in which people can uh, come up with their own ideas and thoughts. 
partly by fiat, by saying this is the way that our lore works, but also by writing large swathes of it. Mm. And so he was involved in the, in the games, he was writing the, for the games officially? Yes. But also like was interacting with fan forums and such. Yes, he remains an extremely active poster on forums. I went on his Reddit user profile to find a comment that he posted a while back um, and found it was very difficult to find because he posts like several times a day on multiple subreddits. A lot of it appears to be Warhammer 40K related recently, um, but he's still, people will say something and he'll hop on and be like, lol, the only reason why like this weird lore fact exists is because I had to retcon something from the old games. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then just disappear again. Um, yeah. Wow. So, okay, so that's kind of where the, the fan community was starting, but uh, you touched on a little bit that you started um, with playing through the game uh, and sounding like uh, you completed it to the, kind of a completion runner so so like how did you how did you get involved how did you get into this yeah i mean the game so oblivion is the fourth game in the series and the first one that i played now that came out in the late 2000s uh maybe even mid 2000s i think i might have been in high school um and uh that was that was it, it came out you know lord of the rings was big at the time you know fantasy was big and, uh, you know, there, there weren't that many really excellent um, yeah, fantasy RPGs open world of this type at the time. This is, I think, Oblivion was, the f was put out by Bethesda. So this was, and this was early in Bethesda's sort of, uh, maybe I'm not getting the history right there. Anyway, the upshot is that I played hundreds of hours of it in high school, uh, multiple multiple runs and at the end so as you're playing the game uh like whether it's you know oblivion or skyrim you come across all of this you come across all these like books notes like hints that there is something that there's this like big world around you it's good world building um right and something that people are, are pretty good at doing good world building at now the difference is that because the elder scroll series has been around for like 25 years uh there is like Part, one of the reasons why when you're playing Oblivion in Skyrim, it feels like there's all this stuff out there for you to discover is because there actually is all this stuff that was built up, uh, you know, over the 20 years preceding those, those games. So with this, um, with, when, did those per, when did the games start? Yeah, the first, so the, um, you know, if you look at the uh, unofficial Elder Scrolls pages, the uh, wiki uh, for where people share sort of it's the it's the main source for like here is what is out there for the lore that is known for certain you know things that are actually written down like here's a copy of this book that's in there or something like that anyway they've been around since 1995 wow so that's, they, that's they me beat, they beat you <laughs> maybe just like by a hair uh, on the planet Earth. <laughs> oh shit. okay so was it just like a was it an ms dos game or uh, I mean, 95 was like, it was the very first game was, I think, I'm pretty sure it's Arena is the name of it. And it's, um, if you look at it, I mean, it looks like Doom, right? Mm. Uh, it's, okay. uh, it's very, like, low, like, you know, flat textures on, on boxes kind mm -hmm. of stuff. 
uh, and then the like pixel art uh, enemies that are flat that are like. Uh, for those of you at home, he is uh, he is uh, assuming a flat position and waddling side to side, um, and chopping with his arm. So it's great. You know. It's really great visual humor. You know. uh, for those of you at home, he has now uh, dropped his pants and stopped, started this is inaccurate, pouring whipped cream. I want to state for the record on the audio that this is an inaccurate description of what is happening. Um, we'll be I have a final edit. I have a final edit on this. Uh, <laughs> oh, shoot, he just slipped out of a banana peel. Oh, no, I'm on the ground. Ran over by a car. Charles, no! Uh, okay, so you, you played through... Uh, oblivion and put hundreds of hours into it and we're discovering this deeper world and there was so much more to look into so did you go back and play the old games or like were you visiting wikis or fan forums yeah so then I mean a little bit at the you know when playing it when I was in high school I would like read some of the stuff online I was curious I read the Elder Scrolls pages back in the mid to the mid to late 2000s to read about this stuff um, and then in college, Skyrim comes out. So I play Skyrim and in, you know, there's a ton of, uh, of these, like more stuff is there. I read, you know, I read more stuff, learned a little bit more of the, the deeper, darker secrets. Uh, but it wasn't until actually when I was in graduate school, which I just finished a couple months ago, um, that, I, that I decided, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to play the older games. So far, only Morrowind, but um, uh, the... I think Daggerfall is definitely definitely still playable uh, in this day and age, um, and that's when that's when I really hit rock bottom. You might say, uh, <laughs> though I was you know the very you know the important notions of of duality that are part of the Elder Scrolls lore would say that the bottom is the closest to the top in some ways. It is most similar to the top. So when I had reached rock bottom <laughs> of reading Elder Scrolls lore, I was actually at the peak of my knowledge. Ascending are, to Nirvana. These are the paradoxes. Yes. So what is that? Uh, what is this, there's something that happens when you're, uh, when you, when you find something like this and you playing through, you know, Oblivion or you're playing through Skyrim and you know, just a few months ago after, you know, you said you decided to get into it, there's something that like you run into or you read or um, you realize about it that you're like, I need to find out everything. I, I cannot stop. I am, I am currently like running down the hill and I'm, I'm not going to even try to stop myself. Yeah. You know, I'm going into that lake bottom so what was was any did anything like that happen for you with this and like what was that and what's the really appeal for diving in yeah i think it wasn't necessarily one individual thing in particular i think it's sort of there are a whole lot the way it's structured is you know again on this sort of like ladder kind of way there are there are a lot of very obvious mysteries in the universe that are fun to ponder and come up with your own ideas like by co connecting together hints. Uh, so the most famous mystery in the Elder Scrolls lore is the disappearance of the dwarves. There are no dwarves in the Elder Scrolls anymore. Um, 
they disappeared before the series began. Um, all of them uh, vanished at the same time during the second battle of Red Mountain. Mm. Uh, where he became bald. Where Vivek became bald. And it became bald. Um, yes. Yeah, the, um, you, good. I'm glad you're, you, you should be taking notes here. It's, <laughs> this is rather extensive. So, um, yeah. So the upshot is that this, this race of dwarves vanished all at once uh, when it's sort of at the peak of their power uh, while fighting a, an apocalyptic battle of the five armies kind of situation against the, the, the dark elves. And uh, it's left, there are hints about what happened, but op options include they are all dead. Uh, they are all teleported to another plane uh, or planet, uh, that they created an alternate universe for themselves, um, that they ascended to godhood, um, and that all of their bodies became the skin of a giant brass golem. These are, these are all, these are just like mainstream theories for what mm. happened to the dwarves. Okay, that's, the, that's what the, the lamestream media wants you to think happens to the dwarves? I personally favor number three. I really favor the, the theory that they have uh, created a parallel universe for themselves, which, which is another branch of the Elder Scrolls series in which dwarves, rather than humans, are the most dominant species. Uh, so let's break down how this lore works through this example. Sure. Of, so there are no dwarves. You, can, you, you get that fact from playing through the game and not seeing any dwarves. Do you hear people talk about it? Do you find it in, in like books that talk about the disappearance? Or yeah, how does, how does this mystery manifest? Yeah, so I would say it's, um, there are ruins. There are dwarven ruins in the games Morrowind, Oblivion, and Skyrim. And so you'll come across them and you know, you're just it's sort of like, oh, these are the ruins of an ancient civilization. And they've got this kind of like steampunk clockwork vibe going on because the dwarves or Dwemer were the like sort of sciency, right? They were they they perfected the blend of artifice and magic, uh, and so they you know these steam things blowing all over the place. They've got giant golden robots that fight you. Um, anyway, so you know you're you you just see this as like a, a vanished civilization, and if you go around, you'll like collect up a little bit of additional lore in Oblivion and in Skyrim. They'll talk about it a little bit. In Morrowind, it's a focus of the story. It's like your character, spoiler alert for a 20 year old game, uh, your character turns out to be a reincarnation of uh, an ancient character who was around when the dwarves were real uh, or we're still, we're still there. Uh, the uh, Lord Inderil Nerevar, you are the Nerevarine, the, uh, the, his reincarnation. Uh, and so like that, it's part of the, it's part of the core plot uh, is the, the disappearance of the dwarves. But despite the fact that it's part of the core plot, it is, you never get an answer. And in fact, you get at least three distinct takes, none of which by construction can be trusted. Huh. And those takes, uh, are, are those from groups or individuals in the game? Yeah, basically there's two accounts of the Battle of Red Mountain, one hostile to, basically there's, uh, there's the like, what's clearly propaganda that comes from people like uh, the guy in my background here on the video, Vivek and the tribunal, who are these sort of um, a security state uh, uh, held up by uh, semi-cosmic magical power. 
who say, oh, this is what happened at the Battle of Red Mountain. Mm. Uh, then there is another take by the nomadic peoples who live on the island, who are separate uh, away from the, this like, you know, more sort of civilized uh, group that has their, so they, the two of them have separate stories. Mm. Then the antagonist of the game was there and he has his own story of what happened. And he's almost more trustworthy than anybody else, but he's also, you know, an evil liar who... Huge, huge dick. Yeah. I, I think I remember in Vivek's account, he shaved his head. He's not bald. He shaved. This was totally on purpose. I thought it was a great look. Uh, <laughs> and I, I couldn't be happier with my hairless head, he said. And actually, it's, he has a, his girlfriend is in Canada and she has cancer. So it's for her, actually. Oh, that's, that's yeah. really nice. I didn't really hear nice about Vivek. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. My girlfriend is in Ethereum. You wouldn't know her. I, I assume that's funny. For, oh, it's really, it's, funny. you know. The Mananauts yeah. have tried to get to Ethereus so many times, Teddy, and, and you just you just can't get to Ethereus. You can't, you know? No. You know, you know maybe, how you get to Ethereus? Maybe if you're Magnus, you know, or one of the Magna Gay, you know, you can make it, you can make it to Ethereus. But that was all the way back at the creation of Nern. Who knows whether Magicka quantities of, you know, that great could possibly be summoned by mere... Men well, tell you what, tell you what, I know how you get to, you know how you get to Metherius? Metherius? Uh, practice. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, um, gosh, Ooh. somebody should have just, somebody yeah. should have told those Imperial Mananauts back in the, back in the day. Somebody oh, should have told the Sigic Order. They were, they should have just practiced more. <laughs> am I, am I making like war crime jokes? Am I making jokes about like very serious issues within. <laughs> no, it's, no, no, it's it's completely Tyra? fine. You know, uh, it's just. I mean, Han Solo could have definitely shot second. That's totally fine. There's nothing bad about that. He at did all. actually. He did. He did. George Lucas said he did, so he did. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, well, he said he shot third because first um, Greedo shoots him with the McClunky, and then he sh oh. and then Greedo shoots him then Han. So. Gotcha. Uh, Okay, so with that's that's the breakdown of the of the mystery of the dwarves. Yeah, and let me say let me say just a brief moment about what I think the about my personal headcanon on this Please. and why I think it's important. The whole thing here is about ascent to divinity. That's the um, that's the theme of the dwarves' disappearance, and this is a core theme of the Elder Scrolls series. There's this idea that it is possible to ascend beyond this the universe that like. Uh, that the games take place in, that there are some entities that are capable of sort of recognizing godhood, uh, like just through force of will, basically mystically. Um, and the dwarves tried to cheat and do it, is the, um, is the idea. They tried to use their science to become gods. And uh, in the second game, Daggerfall, humans tried to do a similar thing. They tried to sort of take a hold of an ancient piece of dwarven technology and make use of it to, um, like, uh, to gain power. And the end result of that game is the lore, the like rest of the Elder Scrolls series. You, li they, you live on a continent in which there's a human empire. It's spread over the entire continent. Uh, like it's powerful, it's stable. Um, and, but we know from the second game, it was achieved by striking the Mantella 
you know, by uh, activating Numidium, the brass god made by the Dwemer. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and so it was achieved by this same process sort of of cheating that the dwarves applied, which caused them to vanish. There is a single line in a single book about the disappearance of the dwarves in which a single character giving their opinion says, when will you wake up Imperials and realize what really happened to the dwarves? And in my mind, this is proof positive that the dwarves are off in a parallel universe where they're in charge and humans are in a parallel universe in which they're in charge, both because they have uh, attempted to achieve godhood, attempted to achieve power through these illegitimate means. Mm. And, you know, this is my personal fan theory. I worked hard on it. I did a lot of thinking about it. There's other people who have similar, similar thoughts. But uh, even then, it's just, I recognize it as just one tiny fragment of all the possibilities that this lore mm -hmm. creates. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, I mean, it's so interesting with, um, when you expand, when you create these fictional worlds and um, you, you know, you give all this, this long history and it has to have a narrative, you know, the dwarves can't have disappeared because of, you know, something not thematically related to the stories that are being told, you know? And so then there's also comes like a message, you know, and there comes meaning behind this world history. And it's really hard to not take that and apply that to the real world and take the, the message that is trying to be put out by this fictional history and apply it to, you know, our own history, you know, and that's why um, it can be like, like it's, it's almost hard to like look at some um, like classic fantasy tales, you know, involving like kings and queens and princes and princesses because there's like a tacit uh, praise of monarchy, you know? Yeah. Um, and feudalism. So uh, especially with this being such a modern story, um, and being one that has so much lore, um, what's the discussion around the real world politics of the, the Morrowind world? I think there's sort of two ways that Elder Scrolls avoids that trap. I mean, there are, there are political themes, definitely. I mentioned already that in Morrowind, the tribunal is like very much an authoritarian, it's a theocracy, uh, but instead of being led by priests, it's led by gods, you know? Uh, and like, there's clear, you know, there's clear uh, political echoes there. Um, and there's Skyrim has pretty heavy themes of like nationalism and racism uh, as like part of like what is going on. But they aren't really. I think for the for the lore, for the deep lore, the focus is fundamentally mystical. Hmm. Um, it's it's metaphysical. It's like, you know, things in some ways it's like metafictional in which it's implied in some ways that the lore recognizes that there are player characters who are a different kind of entity than the non-player oh, characters. No. Don't, um, that, don't yeah. tell me ascending to the divinity is realizing you're in a video game. <laughs> so that is like, that is one branch of the lore that like some people get really into, but it's like, but that's just like, it's almost, it's, I would consider it a smokescreen. I would consider it like a, a stumbling block placed in your way as you try to understand the deep lore. 
Uh, but it, but it, it is an opportunity. Some people who like that kind of metafiction get really into these hints that there are like, you know, uh, other, yeah, that it's a fake, that it's a fictional universe and the characters can realize that they are, that they are in it. Um, uh, but that's not, yeah, that's not the, the main thrust. Uh, I would say like the other, it, it is more about sort of like all kinds of a mishmash of all different ways of thinking about uh, like, m yeah, mystical things and, and, and the divine and, uh, you know, the possibility that our universe is in some ways an, an illusion created by our, um, uh, our, our desire for sanity and reality and that there is something greater beyond it uh, mm. you know, that we can achieve just through through thought and focus. So there is that element of, of no, yeah, I guess I'm, I didn't mean to, to limit um, the, to, to just politics or to all, all world politics, but also with, with creating a mythology and focusing, focusing on the mystical elements of the lore and history, you know, those are stories and, and those stories are inspired by other stories that we told through our, our own history to explain, you know, humanity, to explain our existence and explain, um, you know, good and evil and even explain things to, you know, don't salt the earth, you know, don't pour salt on the earth, you know, because this God will be really upset about it, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, there, that comes into like mind of, What's the intention with these, these myths? Yeah, I would say that the intention is to set up kind of a dichotomy between a, uh, yeah, rather than a dichotomy between good and evil, there's a fundamental dichotomy in the Elder Scrolls lore and its mythology. We're now, we're deep, buddy, by the way. We're real deep. <laughs> There's a, there's a distinction between Anuic and Potomaic entities, like ideas, spirits, etc. And Anuic things are always trying to like ascend above to exit, to sort of like exit time, to like be one forever, stasis, right? Potomaic entities are always trying to like to change things, to be they, like, rather than, uh, rather than stasis, it represents like, uh, you know, time and its development. Uh, and these, like, these two, these two halves are set up as sort of, like, you know, yin and yang for the universe, and they ramify out through all kinds of different pieces of the lore. And it's sort of, a split ends up kind of developing between uh, wanting to, wanting to, like, leave the world to recognize that it's an illusion and then, and therefore, like, ascend above it into godhood and return to oneness and stasis and wanting to like be in the world, go out above it, uh, go out like into it and change it and like make it your own, make it your playground. Uh, so it's sort of these two distinct like religious traditions, essentially, like some religions and some parts of some religions really emphasize like contemplation and one, oneness with the Godhead. And then other parts of uh, what are other religions and other parts of the same religion will emphasize like the world itself as a like as a place to like to do good works or to like where you really need to like focus your like thoughts and your energy not on not on some like future afterlife or on um, you know uh, anything outside of it uh, and so 
these are these are really really broad mystical themes, uh, and I think that's that's what I see as the like driving force behind the like the lore of Elder Scrolls is to sort of explore all the ways those two ideas can bounce off of each other. Damn. Uh, so what I think what I'm uh, latched onto here is is so interesting to me is that what sounds to me that makes it so real is that is that whole um, there isn't that direct answer like we talked about in the beginning even that there isn't this direct answer there's only your perspective of it and even with these you know really we're really deep with these um, the intentions of these myths uh, and those um, conflicting ideas um, whichever one you're perceiving as true or the winner or um, what have you or even whatever happened to the dwarves from all all across this you know it's your own perspective that is real and true just the same way things are in real life where you know you're you're creating your own reality and you're seeing your own reality and that's you know your like your beliefs are whatever your beliefs are and so it's it's interesting i wonder if that's what makes it feel more like like a real um deep uh lower world absolutely and this actually brings me around to brian david gilbert <laughs> what we all want what we all wanted to talk about what we're what we're all here for your counterpart your shadow self possibly <laughs> um my the person who's you know uh, much more successful than me at attaining internet fame, definitely, <laughs> so far, you know. I'll catch you up one of these days. So far. Um, Brian uh, David Gilbert, this is a call-out post. This is a call-out post right here. Come on here or, you know, use promo code Brian David Gilbert for 20% off. Um, I got you. Two, I want, I want five minutes in the ring. I want five minutes in the ring with Brian David <laughs> We're Gilbert. Gonna have we're gonna have a big event. We're gonna have Charles versus BDG for Skyrim novel book report off. Um, so for for folks uh, maybe who aren't as up on, on the <laughs> Polygon Unraveled content, uh, Brian David Gilbert famously dives into the lore and like overanalyzes the lore of various fictional universes, uh, including you know the military structure of Bowser's army or what is the hottest monster in Castlevania. Uh, and uh, the one he did for Skyrim was his Skyrim book report in which he read all of the novels. The first thing he does is he says all of the historical, uh, all the historical content is bad. He says this is bad fiction, he throws it out. Um, and the example he gives is the Chronicles of Enchuleft, uh, which you know, I'm not going to claim that the Chronicles of Enchuleft are the, the most interesting thing to read. Uh, let, me, let me read to you uh, the section of the Chronicles of Enchuleft that you can, uh, that you can read. Uh, it happened in second planting, PD 1220, that Lord Illendam, on a journey in the western uplands, came to Enchuleft, and Protector Anchard and General Okunfunch met him there, and Dalin Zanchu also came mm. to the meeting. Now, it's it's a snooze fest. It really is. <laughs> um, but 
what it represents is essentially like what, you know, when we look back and we try and find fiction from say the Sassanid Persian empire, which is notoriously short on sources. Notorious. Being notoriously short on sources, despite yeah. being like a very important, um, like a very important polity. Like, I think that was trending on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> of course. <laughs> People were like, where are the sources for the Sassanid Persian oh, empire? Oh, sources. <laughs> um, yeah, we, you know, what do we have? We have, we have random chronicles, right? That happen to be preserved, that happen to be written in a way that we understand. And this represents, a, you know, that of like a, you know, a slice through that in this fictional universe that like, you know, people, there's a whole quest to acquire a copy of the Chronicles of Inchulif and get it to a, to a scholar of the dwarves because there's so few sources about dwarves. Uh, and that's what this thing is. And so, sure, does it make a good book for your Skyrim book report? Absolutely not. But it's part of the process by which this extremely rich fictional universe, and not just a fictional universe, because that implies that there is this like, you know, I don't know, fictional universe implies this like oneness that you could, that you can learn about. It's what creates a very important part of what creates this like fabric of related pieces of fiction that you can then go and participate in by posting on forums, coming up with your own fan theories, like, you know, and doing some chin scratching uh, and thinking about. Uh, and so I feel like the Skyrim book report, despite doing a good job convincing people that they should read some of the books in Skyrim because they are worth stopping to read through, uh, I think it misses the mark on what makes Elder Scrolls lore so interesting. So what it essentially is, is fiction set dressing fiction where set it's dressing. so it's the equivalent of like when you go into an escape room and there are items on the table but they don't do anything but they make you feel like you're in whatever room you're in you know it's it's um like going into it's like if you're in a video game and you find you know you you're able to examine every drawer in a desk but some of them have nothing in them you know, right. but it makes you feel like it's more of a drawer, more exactly. of a cabinet. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, I would say, yeah, BDG's approach is Anton Chekhov's approach. Uh, Chekhov, the playwright, famously said that if there is a rifle on the mantle in the first act, it should be fired in the second act. And that's just, I mean, you know, that maybe that's true for the types of fiction that he was writing, right? Plays in which, like, a tremendous amount of of stuff has to happen in a short period of time, right? Following the Greek rules of drama of keeping time and place and personage uh, limited. Uh, but like that's, that is a way to make drama work. But you know, video games are a fundamentally different medium with fundamentally different possibilities. And if every gun on every mantelpiece must be fired, like that's just not the, you know, that's not the way mm -hmm. the world works. And video games are a lot closer to attempting to like simulate an actual world than a piece of drama is. And so the Chronicles of Inchulift, they're not a Chekhov's gun. They never fire. They're just up on the mantelpiece. <laughs> and I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely can see where you're coming from with that. Um, were there, so were there elements, other historical reports uh, that were thrown out that were not just unloaded guns, but, you know, maybe a pellet gun? <laughs> You know, something, um, well, something of, of worth. 
Yeah, I would say something that's in, in between and another example of the untrustworthy of like, you know, the, the metafictional approach of the Elder Scrolls universe is the story of Queen Baron Zaya, which um, she doesn't appear in Skyrim and uh, like Queen Baron Zaya does not. Uh, and so BDG says, oh, you know, uh, like, what do I care? You know, I don't know who Baron Zaya is. I don't want to read. There's both. Uh, I don't want to read, you know, 12 books about Baron Zaya. And the thing is, there are two separate stories of Baron Zaya. There is one, the biography of Baron Zaya, which is the official biography of this queen. And then there is a book called The Real Baron Zaya, which is a parallel story, uh, which purports to tell the truth about what actually happened. Uh, and now in, you know, in classic uh, Elder Scrolls lore style, the, the, the one that is true has enough inaccuracies that you can be sure that it is not a completely trustworthy source. But it is much closer to the truth than the original one, uh, than, the, than the like sanitized biography put out by the court biographer. Uh, and, and in addition, even though the author of the real Baron Zaya like is clearly insulting her, he implies that she had a love child with the emperor Tiber Septim, uh, which she had aborted, uh, which is, you know, there's not a lot of support for a woman's right to choose in, um, uh, in, this, in the Elder Scrolls universe. Uh, and this is, you know, this is a slander. Um, he actually lives in, she, she funds him to live in the room down the hall from her in the palace. Uh, so uh, the, the author of this slanderous biography. Uh, and so there's the, the implication of like this, uh, um, yeah, there's, the, there's an implication that there is something, you know, very interesting going on there about which people have written, you know, reams of fan speculation. So it's, it's all of this story is between the lines. It's between the lines and between different books that you pick it up and you pull it together. So exactly. where is it pulled together? Where are the fans writing these things and where, you know, where do you find them? Um, yeah, so I'd say there are a couple of core places for, uh, for fan speculation. For a long time, it was basically the UESP, uh, United Elder Scrolls pages, wiki talk pages, just like all the real, like, you know, argument and speculation and the real interest of Wikipedia, the, the main Wikipedia, uh, like lies in its talk pages. The Elder Scrolls pages are really all about the talk pages in which people fight to try and say, like, I have enough evidence behind this claim that it should be included as, like, uh, you know, at, in this page as, like, a possible interpretation, say, of this event or this individual. Uh, so that was a big source for a long time. I think people would go on the game FAQs forums back in the day. Nowadays, it's kind of, like, like most sort of internet forum stuff, it's been centralized onto Reddit, right? Mm -hmm. Reddit has sort of eliminated what used to be this, like, uh, you know, sort of diverse panoply this cacophony of various small forums on specialized web pages where people would go to discuss stuff. Now it's just a subreddit, TES lore, the Elder Scrolls lore. That's where I think a lot of the discussion happens. Of mm -hmm. course, the people there, you know, people make, people write longer posts, like blog posts type things. People will make um, YouTube videos in which they break stuff down. So there's like, there is, it's like any other fan community. There's like lots of other ramifications, Discord servers, etc. But the Elder Scrolls lore subreddit is a real um, uh, 
it's the real center, the beating heart. Mm. Um, there's, oh, there's also the Bethesda forums. They have a, a forum for lore uh, where some of the employees will post, though they also post on the subreddit. Mm -hmm. So is there anything uh, that in, in particular that you'd like to bring up and, and rant or talk or discuss within the lore? Um, possibly that you haven't had the chance to, um, since we're, we're not going to any parties lately, um, you haven't had the chance to corner anybody at a party and discuss? Um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I was once at a, at a party in, in college, and I was really into the kidney at that time, like the function of the kidney. Um, and I was talking to this uh, uh, nice young woman about kidneys, and we were really hitting it off. And we, uh, we eventually left the party together, and a person behind me who had who also was interested in this young woman was like is this game is that what game looks like <laughs> uh, and i you know I, I i feel like the my knowledge of the elder scrolls lore is also you know, uh similar similarly useful for game but as you noted not not a lot of opportunities for it yeah no absolutely i mean yeah that's a whole other topic if you if you just talk about anything confidently you know you can you can get anybody to come home people people love it i people, love people, but, people but love people it. talk to me about something that they're really passionate about interested in they, if they've got a, you know an interesting and entertaining way to talk about it if they can share that enthusiasm i am i'm already i'm you know you're my you're my younger brother i, I i'm no longer comfortable talking about this with this second. <laughs> Well, hey, no, that's what this whole show is about. This whole show is about getting people come on, talk about uh, what they love to talk about, and then, you know, maybe take that home and, you know, take that to the bedroom. <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't know that was part. You know, know hey, if you are at home, team. if you're at home and uh, you want, you know, you want to repeat any of these talking points, you know, if you want to possibly bring up the mystery of the disappearance of the dwarves um, on your next Tinder date or hinge match you know i say go for it, it you know it, it's it's good to put yourself out there yeah um there's also i mean the jokes write themselves you know you want to see another dwarf disappear <laughs> um ao got him uh oh the mom listens to these this uh yeah i bet i bet she's gonna she's gonna check this one out for sure um <laughs> The uh, the only thing I would like to say is actually a point about the distinction between the real Baron Zaya and the biography of Baron Zaya. Uh, what's the guy behind his name? Oh, uh, Vivek. Vivek. You want to see another bald Vivek? <laughs> oh, got him. Uh, yeah. Um, Sorry, <laughs> I had to get that one out. Yeah, no, that's 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 good. The um, the this distinction between, oh, like one public biography and one private biography has a historical model for it. Uh, namely, the, uh, the public and secret histories written by the same author, Procopius, uh, in the sixth century Byzantine Empire. About oh, this is the, the real emperor. world. Sorry, what? This is the real world. This is the real world, okay. yes. Um, yeah, so in the real world, this historian Procopius wrote a public history for the emperor Justin, uh, Justinian and his empress Theodora. Uh, he, so he wrote this public history. He's like, this guy is so great. He's doing so much great stuff. He got us back Africa and Italy. Like what an awesome guy. He built the Hagia Sophia. It's so nice. 
And then he wrote The Secret History, in which he said, I once saw Justinian's head come off of his body and float around the palace because he is a literal demon. Um, and he wrote both of these things. Both of them ended up like surviving and we have both copies. And there's, you know, there's something, I've, I don't know this for certain, but I think of it as like an inspiration for this like division of the two biographies of Baron Zaya. And I think, you know, and historians are left now, they're, they're unsure which of those two stories by Procopius is the correct one, right? Like we look at that and, you know, it's been 1500 years, so we don't have, like, we don't have much else to go on except these books. Uh, and so, they think it, it might be possible his head did come off and, and fly around the castle. I mean, you know, the anti-Justinian revisionists out there who just can't tolerate a, you know, peak Roman emperor performance, you know, like going out there and cap recapturing some provinces from some vandals and some goths. Like, oh, I'm sorry if that offends your politically correct <laughs> sensibilities. You know, um, this is, you know, like some people just can't handle that. And they just, you know, so they side with the Procopius of the secret history. I thought you were going to say, like, they can't handle, like, having, uh, you know, a headless person as their king, you know, because, you know, they, they just, they don't, you know, approve of that lifestyle. <laughs> no, on. on that front, on that front, I would say it's, it's really Theodora who comes into some trouble there. She's, um, uh, you know, she was the prostitute before becoming the empress and, uh, and specifically had some very famous um, stripper shows as, mm. you know, as, as stated in the secret history so who knows you know whether this is true or not um, i think there's a I think very there's also there's a graphic description of one of the empress theodora's uh strip shows in the, oh. I'll, I'll you know this is a this is a family podcast so you know i'll leave right. that to yes. you know our mature viewers to look it up i think i think it's also in that description where theodora says the gamer word <laughs> so uh, no i, I think i think yeah that's that one. <laughs> I think that's where um, that but now we're starting to get really uh, we're starting to lean a little bit too hard into one of my other dumb nerd things. Uh, you know, the gamer work. <laughs> no, uh, the uh, uh, history, European history. Oh yeah, that's that's a whole other that's a whole other world. Um, but I think that is you know that is a little bit why I like the Elder Scrolls lore. I think you know it reminds me of trying to figure out like part of the joy of historical scholarship is the dispute is the like unresolvability of it. It is very different from mathematics uh, in which, you know, a lot of things have concrete answers. This is correct. This is incorrect. We know we, you know, and it's, um, uh, yeah, so it, it feels very similar. And I think some of the joy that I get out of reading the lore of this universe and thinking about it is some of the same, you know, joy that I get out of reading the lore of our, you know, non-fictional universe. <laughs> Uh, so, sorry, I should so, say I should say purportedly. Yeah, I was gonna say. So they say, you know, that's just that's just you know there there's a secret history uh, that we got. We don't know, you know. That's just what the the people here want us to believe. The grays are up there. So okay, so where uh, where can people kind of get started with this? Where would you? <laughs> I just realized I really should have been wearing this hat the entire time. You yeah. know, this little tinfoil hat that I've got on here. Um, oh, it, yeah, helps me keep in, it helps me keep in my, my Padmaic uh, energy waves so that I can mm. focus more intensely on Chim. This one, this, this hat uh, keeps, uh, keeps away women. This oh, one. oh, the hat that I got you. 
the the Netflix and chill hat that you gave me. It just says chill on it. It doesn't say net. It is. It says in the Netflix font. Um. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, where can people get started with this? Um. Yeah. Where would you I would recommend say- people get started? What I recommend is that the next time that you, uh, you know, boot up Skyrim uh, or Oblivion, if you're a little bit older school, or Morrowind, if you've really got good taste, uh, you know, really take the time to, to read the books as you come across them. Look up the characters on the Elder Scrolls wiki when you come across a character. Um, and, and if you come across, like, say, volume five of the biography of Baron Zaya, you know, just go online and read the whole short story, the whole like actual biography, uh, you know, and sort of like, it, it's, a, it's a slow and iterative process. If you want a faster way to get to it, there's a very famous post in, uh, if you go to the TES lore subreddit, uh, there is, uh, there's like a, you know, how to become a lore buff kind of FAQ thing uh, that, is that links to a very famous post on the Bethesda forums, which is essentially like a, uh, it's a guided tour. Like read this, then read this, then read this, then read this. It's probably hundreds of pages, um, but that's probably the fastest way to like really start getting to uh, lore buff status in the, uh, um, in the Elder Scrolls universe. Um, and then is that, I'm just picturing the the scene from from Freaks, um, where the she's at the dinner with the Freaks and one, one of us, one of us. Um, yeah, it's, I I should say that um, you know this is dangerous. This is dangerous knowledge. It's um it's it's addictive. It's uh and it's completely worthless. You know, it um, melts your brain a little bit. Maybe, yeah. It's um, and uh, also the author of all the 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 core author on the lore, Michael Kirkbride, um, had a like severe substance abuse problem at the time that he like wrote a lot of this, and then following him uh, kicking his substance abuse problem, he then developed like an extended like. He had an extended period in which he had like a manic disorder, mania, um, and some of the stuff was written during periods in which he was like manic. Um, Dang. And so, like the uh, if you there are a lot of people you come across them on the internet who seem to have uh, like maybe gone a little bit too deep, uh, dug, <laughs> dug too greedily and too deep into the lore of the Elder Scrolls universe. They they stared into the abyss and blinked. Yes, yeah. and uh, and yeah, it, 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 the abyss has start, stared right back into them. It's you know because it has this like mystical aspects to it, right? Like mysticism and like the implication of there being some deeper truth underneath things. It's it's crack for nerds. It's also like catnip for um, cranks. Uh, so I enjoy it purely recreationally. <laughs> <laughs> In moderate amounts. I, I, In I moderate get you. amounts, yeah. Mm-hmm. I get you. Yeah, you're you're picking it up at the local dispensary. They're picking it up around the corner in the alley. Yeah, yeah. They don't. Um, 
you, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, here kids, here's the truth. If you're gonna do drugs, <laughs> make sure you've got a lot of other stuff going on in your life, you know, so that you've got other sources of joy. If you're gonna read the Elder Scrolls lore, make sure you've got like a job, you know, or like a, or like a, a useful <laughs> hobby that does nice things for other people, like even making a podcast and, or, or, or writing a blog or, or, you know, um, uh, maintaining the plants in the planters in like uh, the public garden, like just something that gets you up and out and away from feed some the, birds, the deep Kirk bride lore. Get, get, have, you know, put a little bread out on your window for a single squirrel to come up every morning and, and befriend him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This, Make this sure. podcast is the only thing keeping me from making a, an in-depth, uh, Star Wars lore channel. It's, I've come close. I've, I've had some dark times. Dark I, times. You know, I think um, I think that could be fun. I think I don't I don't want to discourage you from making a nice Star Wars lore channel. Um, you know, I just think at the point where you're like uh, where you're saying that like um, Jar Jar Binks is real and he is my friend. <laughs> well, he is and he is. So I mean, I I don't know why that pretty reasonable thing to think so well any parting words on uh morrowind lore um uh no no i think i just uh, i just appreciate it as one of the great pieces of postmodern art um that like is reflects our current um it is an art piece that could is only possible in some ways at our time. It was not possible before. It probably in the future will not be possible again. Uh, and I think that that makes it a, actually like a great piece of art worthy of, uh, worthy of study and consideration. So mm -hmm. to all of the um, art historians watching this uh, podcast. We have quite uh, a few. Like, get, get on it, get on it. Like, big, like, um, is big Susan art historian. Sontag, is, does Susan Sontag listen? She no, she we we're not in touch anymore. That's, that's she and I don't talk. Yeah. Um, but it's worthy of I think like that degree of consideration. These you know as as what I think the example of the like appropriately done metafictional uh, like shared universe canon project. Like it's the it's the non parel. It is the par excellence of that genre. Uh, and I think that makes it great art. Nice. Thanks so much for coming and talking about this. I don't know if there's any more you ever want to come talk about. Um, we're always happy to have you come on Dumb Nerd Thing and, and nerd, nerd Out. Um, yeah, well, if I, if I, if I make a, another serious mistake like this, then I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can also, yeah, you can also come on and, and talk about... Uh, European history or Bionicles, you know, feel free anytime. These bad boys. <laughs> Those bad boys. That's another, that's another deep lore. The Bionicle lore <laughs> is surprisingly deep <laughs> and has similar, it like, it's, yeah. It has like cosmological, like, myths. Like it has, it has like a beginner, um, a beginning story. It, yeah, it has, um, it has a, it has a similar, like, mystical bent to it. Yeah, cosmological as you put it. You know, uh, Jesus was actually a bionicle. Um, I guess he would be the water...
water by uncle. <laughs>